Hawks Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. It's your favorite day of the week. It's Thursday. It's 7 o'clock. You're listening to 710 ESPN, and this is Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus here with Paul Moyer, NASA Chobie on the ones and twos. Bounce back week. The Hawks go to Buffalo. They go to the Northeast. They take a loss. Something that I wasn't prepared to see, Paul. I didn't think it would go down this way. The week prior, the Buffalo Bills ran the ball a bunch. Only threw the ball 18 times. Different ball game. Josh Allen throws it 38 times. He was 12 for 14 in the first quarter. 154 yards, two touchdowns. The guy looked like the MVP we heard about the first four weeks. Give me something, Paul. What would you see? Oh, man. You know, first of all, the good news is Thanksgiving's coming up and so is Christmas. So there's some positive uh, to that. I I felt great going into last week. We were getting somewhat healthy. We got Dunlap playing for us. We had Jamal Adams back. Um, Bobby Wagner come back off his best game of his maybe in the last two, three years. I mean, really uh, came with passion against the 49ers. Fantastic game. I just didn't I, – even though we scored, you know, over 30 offensively, we didn't play great offensively. I mean, yeah. you have four turnovers. That's that's not going to work for you. You go three and out early in the game, that's not going to work. But, you know, I, I look at this game, and Bump, we, we played a long time, and, and we've both coached and at certain levels. We've walked in on the day after a game and said, do you throw this film away? Come on in. Go and jog. Get away from the game. Yeah. We're going after the next game. Mm-hmm. Or do we have a serious tell the truth Monday or Sunday or whatever game it is? Whether it's right, so, so which one was this? So this one's tricky because I, my analogy is a, a bit of you've been drinking a little bit, right? Uh-huh. You know, you're a little tipsy, say a couple dumb things, and your wife goes, yeah, you know, you you were kind of funny, but yeah, you know, not that funny. Yeah. And then you 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 have a a really bad night, like bad drunk night, and you know, like I almost choke someone out type of night at a nice <laughs> event. And then your wife goes, "You got a problem, okay? You, you we got to fix this." That's kind of what this one was for so, me. So they have to fix it. I, we got to fix it. It, it was a, one of the few games where we've always said. It's never as good or as bad as you think it is. Mm-hmm. This was one of the first games I've seen where I said, wow, it was really bad, at least in the first half. Yeah. And the reason why it was bad, it was bad in so many different areas. We, we were hurt. And no question, Dunbar was hurt. Um, we were playing this weird soft zone, so I throw a little bit on the coach and the staff. Um, we just key plays where we, we're back in the game. We make a couple dumb plays. You know, uh, Jamal Adams, unfortunately, on that one, we, we got a sack on third down and seven. We're off the field. We're down seven. And, you know, he, he, he bumps the guy downfield. It's a penalty. So just a lot of weird plays in that game that just crushed us. But we got to fix something. And right now, we're putting Band-Aids on these wounds. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they, to me, have to go back to something that they can hang their hat on. Because right now, if it's fourth down and four bump, I'm going to ask you, what, what defense are they calling? Fourth down and four. Fourth and four. What what are you going to? Yeah. If I'm the CS Alpha, what we've seen out of them, what am I calling? So my point is, do you know? No, I don't know. Not if I'm the Hawks, no. I know what I would call, but I don't don't know what the Hawks are. And so with the Seahawks and any team that it's Super Bowl, it's the last drive, it's fourth and four. I got to make some. What am I hanging my hat on? Yeah. What What is our identity? 
I don't know what our identity is. And so, so they're putting these Band-Aids on right now. And part of it is, look, yeah, Dunbar, who's, he was 40%. I mean, I, I, gamer for trying, they should have pulled him early. I mean, you just got to give somebody who's healthy at that, that situation. We're, we're busting. We're, we're playing hard, and, but we're, just, we're dropping coverage, and it's head-scratcher things. We've got to get back to accountability. Let's simplify this thing a little bit. And then let's just let these guys go out and play. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am right this now. This is the way I see it. The week before against the 49ers, they come out with a defensive game plan. Bobby's getting loose, two sacks. Uh, Russell's doing his thing, bouncing back, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Cody Barton's flying downhill, special teams, knocking guys out. What we say? Team win. Team win. All three phases played. This was a team loss. Yeah. Offensively, couldn't get it going early. Russell Wilson turned the ball over. There's four turnovers. In general. 16 points, by the way, off those turnovers. 16 points off the turnovers. Defensively, couldn't stop anything, couldn't stop anybody. Special teams-wise, the very first play, they take it 60 yards down the field. So just like we say, that was a team win against the 49ers. This was a team loss. And offensively, I'm going to go to bat for Russell Wilson on this just a little bit because he threw two interceptions, and people are going to tear him up. Russ, why would you do this? Why would you do that? The first interception, it was fourth down. They're inside the five. It's a flood concept. He's rolling out to his right side. He's looking for Jacob Hollister to run his corner route. Jacob, being the young player that he is, does an outside release on his man, tries to go to the corner, gets walled off. Everything's short. It's taken away. He looks back, nothing there. Then he tries to go back, and he tosses one up to Hollister. Just give him a chance. Why? Because it's fourth down. He has nothing to lose at this point. Not the greatest decision, but I, that's what he's thinking. I'm trying to get in the mind of Russell Wilson. Now, the other interception is third and 25-27. They're backed up. It's late in the game. Again, nothing to lose. I need to give my team a chance. I'm just going to toss the ball up to number 14, the guy who bails me out, because I need at least 10 to 15 yards on this play. There is no play for third and tw- uh, fourth and 20. There's no play for third and 25. You need to get around 12 to 15 yards to have a chance to execute. I'm not making excuses for Russell Wilson, but I'm just trying to get in his head. What What is going on in the mind of the quarterback that this franchise and town at City has learned to love and trust so much. So that's my two cents. I'm just backing up Russ's a little bit. Okay, so let's talk about the positive. Because <clears throat> there is some positive in this. And it's it's easy. Look, a week ago, I was convinced we were playing our best football. Everybody's healthy. There's no way we're losing to Buffalo. We're about to go on a run and be 15-1 and one going into playoffs. A week off, life is good. A week later, I'm questioning, are we going to win another football game? That's just emotion. So let's take the emotion out. Now let's look at the second half. Yep. Because we're not going to turn the ball over four times again. Russell Wilson fumbled twice, two interceptions. And those interceptions came on fourth down and third down and long. Even the one that he got hit on a uh, the fumble, I think it was the first one in the second half. It was a third down situation. He's trying to extend. We're not going to do that. So let's look at the positive. Seven sacks. And we and there was more pressure. I mean, if we could have got the big body, he's he's tough. Yeah. He, Six five. This guy's going to be a really good quarterback. Yeah. Especially if you just let him pat the ball and throw it. If it's going to be skeleton, he's really good. You got you're going to have to get after him just like this week. But second half, we had, we had or we had seven sacks in the game. Actually, had eight. One of them we took off the board because they had a holding penalty. Um, and so we took it off ourselves. Another one, we had a sack and we had a penalty. So 
theory, we, we got him on the ground nine times with the ball in his hand. That's, that's a lot of sacks. And in the second half, we gave it about 130 yards. There was four drives in a row. We got after him. We played differently. We didn't play soft. We contested. We were on the upfield shoulder, making him at least have to throw a perfect pass, not a pass that doesn't matter if it's anywhere around 12 feet of the receiver, he can go get it. So I'm looking at that. Sacks, I'm looking at second half. And again, never quit. I mean, the game... Really, most teams get blown out. It's 27-20. Exactly. We got a chance to get off the ball. So there's some positive. They're going to fix it. We got to get healthy, and we may not be healthy this week. So we still may have another week or two of growing pains. Okay, offensive positives. I'm going to go offense. DK still had a day. Seven catches, 108 yards, one touchdown. You can count on him. Another positive, David Moore, the number three receiver, came through clutch, really kind of kept life in this offense with four catches, 71 yards, averaging 17 yards per catch that game. What I liked early in the game, that very first drive, you look at that drive, DJ Dallas was moving, and I kind of like what they did offensively. They were moving, locking on that jet sweep look, kind of like what the Rams are doing. I think with this type of back, with DJ Dallas, he's not your Chris Carson, he's not going to make two or three guys miss. You got to get the defense moving left and right to allow him to read those those, those gaps and those seams a bit more. Early on in the game, that's what they were doing. They kind of got away from that. So early, DJ got going. He had a long of 10. That was in that very first drive. And then the receiver showed, look, we're still going to make plays for you. Give us a chance. And like you said, I don't think Russell Wilson is going to turn the ball over four times again this year. There are some positives there. But the Rams are coming, or not, not the Rams are coming to town. The Seahawks are going to L.A. to play these Rams. And this defense is tough, man. You now, if it wasn't this pandemic, we'd be flying down there. I mean, this is the first time we get the chance to see their new stadium. Yeah. And, uh, that thing looks like, uh, well, I think the one in Vegas and there are very cool looking. Love to, to go. Um, this is a tough matchup for us. It always has been. And partly it's the type of defense we play, the type of offense they play. Um, Miami absolutely got after Goff. Goff was horrible. I, it, they, they scored 21 points off punt return, a fumble, you know, strip sack, and then they got one, another one down to the three-yard line. Um, tough one. And then you got the best player in the league in Aaron Donald coming 99. up. They are the number Woo. two defense in the NFL. Yes. They're doing a lot of cool, fun things. They are going to contest us, so it's going to be hit and miss. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. But you know what, Paul? Everyone always thinks they have it figured out. But how hard is it actually to be an NFL coach? Coming up next, Paul Martin and I take you through what it's actually like to coach in the NFL right here on Hawks Live. Let it ring. Salute the ones who die. The ones that give their lives so we don't have to sacrifice all the things we love. Like our you like that, huh? I do like that. That's a little respect and tribute to uh, to our veterans out there. And yep. That's, uh, that's from Zach Brown, man. A little country. Zach Brown. I know Zach Brown. I know, but it was our first real country bump music. Yes, it was. Coming yes, it back. Was. So, right. well, just to give me a little love. Let me try this again, Paul. Welcome to Hawks Live. There you go. <laughs> Every Thursday, <laughs> me and Paul sit here at 7 on 710 ESPN Seattle at CenturyLink. And, Paul, it's hard out here for a coach. It is hard, oh, especially yeah. when you're six and two and you supposedly have the worst defense in NFL history and your quarterback's turning the ball over and everybody in the in the, the Seattle area is calling for this and they're calling for that and they think the coaches just wake up and go to practice <laughs> and, and show up. Yeah. What is it really like? Now I've been a high school head coach. I've never done it to your level. You are a, you're a player, you're a coach in NFL. Just take us through what it's like to be an NFL coach. 
It's changed a little because of technology. I don't think they need to be there from six in the morning uh, and sleep there two, three nights a week like we did back when I was coaching. Part is we we did a lot of the game plan. We had to write it out by hand. We were drawing our own circles, prepping for practice and plays. It's just different now. I mean, the cut ups it's it's instantaneous. They don't have to worry about breaking down film that's done for them. So they probably have a life, but I guarantee none of them are getting home before 11 o'clock on, (laughs) well, maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and probably Thursday. Is that win or loss regardless? It doesn't matter. You're just, you're game planning and... Uh, look, most coaches, you get older, older. I had some older guys. They were just so efficient with their time. They were so confident yeah. in what they did. I was a young coach. I, I, I would have done it 24 hours a day. I wouldn't have slept because I was so afraid that I w- wasn't going to prepare my guys. So here, the point is, these guys are smart guys. They're busting their butt, man. They got family. It's stressful because they feel the heat. I mean, on paper, this is supposed to be a pretty decent defense. But I, I'll tell you this. I, I, in 1992, not to date myself too much, I was on a staff. I was a secondary coach. We had a top 10 defense. We were number two third down conversions. We got after people. We had the most inept offense in the history of the NFL. Mm-hmm. The history. We were two and fourteen that year. Wow. <laughs> okay. Now on offense, we just didn't have the players. Mm-hmm. But we had times where we had a lead going into halftime, and our offense with fifty seconds left would go back to pass, and we're like, kneel, kneel on the ball, let us win. The, don't don't get another yard. Just don't turn it. And they would turn it over, and team would score before half, take the lead. My point on this is that when they're busting their butt here, and these guys are smart, because they didn't just get dumb overnight. We're six and two. They're not trying to game plan for statistics. No. They're game planning to win a game. And they're looking at their personnel right now, and they're saying, okay, what's the best ways to do that? Maybe it's we got to play soft between the 20s, and we got to you know, tighten it up you know, in the red zone. And for the most part, in the first three quarters of this game or this season, in the first three quarters of a game throughout this season, we've done that. We've had double-digit leads every game but one going into this last week. And maybe you could even make a case that – We've played well other than the fourth quarter in just about every game. This was the first one, first half, we stunk. And so so the perception is, wow, it's completely broken. These coaches don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they do. Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to be the fan. I'm going to be yep. the 12s, the guys who are typically here rocking the house. How hard is it to make in-game adjustments <laughs> i mean can't you see something and just make a move there's guys up in the booth who are looking down and they have the greatest point of view and you're talking to your guys why aren't they making adjustments or are the fans just not seeing the adjustments being made well i thought they did try to make adjustments they, they came out early and buffalo had a game plan and you don't usually see a game plan just take off right from the get-go and you don't it's kind of like a lot a lot of teams script the first 15 18 yeah. plays and you try to weather that storm and if you can early they come off that game plan this one look after three plays they had scored a touchdown mm-hmm. right and they get into their next one they got about eight plays they got a touchdown man they still got another five six plays of scripting we're trying to figure out their game plan at this point so it takes time we did make an adjustment it's just too late yeah and what we made the adjustment is we started really contesting the receivers and we're still getting pressure on them mm-hmm. it's hard because at halftime I, look I, by the time i get down there and they take a bathroom break and all this i, I got about three minutes yeah. most of it's done on the sidelines but like i can either play man zone or blitz you okay all right, so now I'm, I'm still the 12s. Right. I'm still the 12s talking. 
Pete Carroll said they prepared for them to run the football. They weren't really – they prepared for them to throw it. Obviously, you don't just ignore the pass game. But if you're a coach and you go in and you say, look, guys, look at your players' eyes. Look, this is what we expect them to do, and that's not happening. How hard is it to get out of the game plan that you kind of had going all week? Is it, is it easy? Like, okay, we're going to go back to what we did week three, guys. Remember that game plan? Let's do that. Or is it a slow adjustment? You start talking to pieces one, one piece at a time. What, what's that like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um by the way, they did a great job in their game plan against the run. I think they averaged 1.8 yards per carry. <laughs> they did that. Uh, it's the, the other part. And there are times, again, it takes you a series two, three, four, and all of a sudden you go, okay, here's what they're doing. We do need to make an adjustment when they do this type of formation. I rarely scrap my game plan. I mean, I put a whole game plan together for a reason. A yeah. lot of it's on personnel and it's in, on formations. If all of a sudden I'm not seeing any of that, then i got to make an adjustment. That adjustment didn't happen until the second half. Yeah. And it did happen in the second half. First half, at least the first four drives, it was just we were going to play the soft kind of quarter defense. It was something I hadn't seen us do a lot of, but it was very soft. And it was just pitch and catch, pitch and catch. And then when we didn't get to them, you know, we had some busted coverages. Um, again, second half, I know for the 12th, really frustrating first half. A lot of it just flat-out injuries. Some mental mistakes along the way cost us big. You're down, you know, three scores. It, it's, it's a battle the rest of the way. Okay, so now I'm the, I'm the defensive line coach. My guys perform. Seven sacks. They get after the quarterback. They, they silence all the haters saying that they're not bringing the quarterback down enough. What's that meeting room like? Are you walking in there like, all right, guys, we did our thing. These guys got to no. catch up. No, because in the year I was talking about, we it's probably one of the best defense in Seahawks history with the offense that – we have, if we had a great offense, we would have been the number one defense in the league. I mean, it's no, no question, but I don't think we scored 20 points that whole year. Yeah. You know, an amount of three and outs, it just kills you. I would, if I'm the D-line coach, I go, look at what we're having to do for us to get these sacks. We're having to bring Jamal Adams. We're having to bring okay. uh, Bobby Wagner and KJ. We're, we're bringing corners on a third and two. We're blitzing a corner, and Bobby's got to go out and cover a guy 10 yards away from him. I didn't really understand that call, but I'm not proud of it. Yeah. You know, look, we lost. We gave up 44 points, the most points Pete Carroll's given up since he's been here. There's a lot not to like. Yeah. I'm going to focus on the second half of that game, and I'm going to look at what we got to do moving forward. Because the one thing about Pete is I, I, it's too easy to be negative. I'm watching the film. It's probably the most I've watched one game in the last 10 years. Oh, yeah. You're all over it. Oh, You're I was. all over it. I, and, and I was frustrated. And I was frustrated in the way we play zone defense. I don't know everything. I don't know the guy who's hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't know the matchup if they don't, they're not confident that that guy can cover him. And I, I believe that a lot was played into that. But I was frustrated, and we dropped coverage a couple times. We can't drop coverage. You can't drop coverage ever. So there's some accountability. There's some frustration there that I know they're going to address. And I think, look, I think the best football for the Seahawks defense is yet to come. You know what I feel like? I feel like if I am Pete Carroll, I'm the head coach's football team, you go to your guys. My mom hit me with this. I'm sure all of our parents have hit us with this. Look, I'm not mad, guys. I'm just disappointed. Ah, right. We we went over this stuff. This is what we do in this situation. This is the time when you hit them with the we're better than this. We we prepared for this. You guys know what you're doing. It's time to kind of break them down a bit, but you don't tear them down because you need these guys to play. You still got eight games left. Oh, let me get back to my analogy. Get a little tipsy. Say a couple things at a party. Ah. 
I was dumb. I shouldn't. I shouldn't drink that much. Then you have the moment. I mean, you're just you're you're off your cleats. You yeah. do dumb, dumb things. It's that you're walking down the the street the next week and your free moment. You go, oh my god, did I do that? Keep replaying. Was that me? Keep replaying it. And sometimes I've been saying, hey, you guys are better than that. I'm really disappointed. Sometimes as a parent. They come home and you go, I'm more than disappointed. Get your butt upstairs. I don't want to see this again. So That may have been the conversation. So you think that was the conversation? I think it has to be. It, there's just, there were some things. It's not all bad as much as the 12s are listening right now. You yeah. put on the film. There's some good play in there. There's some good play in the front four. There's I'm, some good play I'm in the linebackers. I'm speaking as a 12, Paul. I'm speaking as a 12, not Michael uh, Bumpus. Hey, it was Trey bad, Flowers. Paul. Trey it was Flowers bad. Things need to change, he was Paul. A, but there's some accountability issues going on that they've got to do. They're just do your job first. Do your job. Then rally. Thank there you. are some plays fundamentally on a screenplay. I'm watching on a screenplay. We used to run this all the time in high school. It's called just run screen. You flat down the line, then you fan out. You never trail one of your, 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 your defenders, right? Fan out. Start working towards the other goal line. There was one time there were four guys bunched up like a bunch of four-year-olds playing basketball, and everybody <laughs> is around the back. There's ten guys there. No, it's spread out. So there's some fun. That's frustrating. So those are the things you go. That's not happening anymore. You're not dropping coverage. Play the defense. Let's let's give ourselves an opportunity to win. I think we have the talent to do it. I think so too, Paul. You look at this defense on paper, the Bobby Wagners, Jamal Adams, Shaquille Griffin, Dunlap. There are ballers on this defense. They just got to bring it together. Give me Mayoa back. Puna Ford's playing. There's some guys playing well at times. We just got to all play well now together. All play well together. Hey, Paul, you're a great resource when it comes to that coaching stuff, man. My guy, Paul. All right, coming up next, we chat with rookie Damian Lewis right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Hawks Live every Thursday at 7 o'clock on 710 ESPN. Paul, who's this, man? Come on, you have to know this. Paul, who is this? Come on, Paul. This Zach is your Brown. Era. This is your Zach era. Brown. Beastie Boys, come on Beastie now. Beastie Boys. All right, thank you, Paul. I'm going to disappoint me there for a minute. You can do the talk back to me next time. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, now we get to talk to rookie Damian Lewis. Damian, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, sir. How y'all doing? Hey, we good, man. You know what? Me and you, man, we're almost like brothers, man. My family's from Mississippi. My mom was born in Jackson. Oh, yeah. My pops lives in Biloxi. Welcome to the Northwest, man. How you liking it out here? I love it out here. You know, the people treat me good. They got good sushi. You know, good people. <laughs> sushi. You no. Know, yeah. Let me ask you this. Did you have sushi before you came up here, or was this a first-time experience for you? Now, I had sushi back down in the south. It's just more fresh than him. That's what I think. <laughs> hey, Damon, you won a national championship with LSU, and I call SEC the NFL D-League. Man, I remember we, we played Auburn one year. I went to Washington State. We played Auburn one year, and I'm looking down line of scrimmage, and these defensive linemen are getting off the ball just as fast as I'm getting off the ball. So I feel like you were prepared for this moment. How's this adjustment been from college football to the NFL? Yeah, I'm just really blessed, you know, coming from JUCO, landing at LSU, you know, the coaches and the people, you know, they did a great job with me, you know, just teaching me, you know, just working with me, you know, just how to, you know, be a person off the field and on the field. So I feel like that LSU prepared me well for the league and, you know, just coming here with, 
come here to Seattle, you know, they're still learning every day, you know, find something new every day. So I feel like that LSU prepared me well, and, you know, I'm in a great position. You know, I can't complain because, like I said, I'm just really blessed to be here. Well, they, I went to a JUCO, too, uh, so a little love there for you. And, uh, you know, think good things turn out after, and you can still make a g- great impact in the NFL. But you you didn't lose much in college. I mean, LSU, you won a national championship. You guys have lost two of the last three. You're not used to that type of situation. How, how are you guys doing mentally right now? We're doing good, you know. It's just put it in the past. we got a next game in the front, so we – Watching, you know, getting prepared for the rounds, and you know that game we just put it in the past. You know, can't go back, so don't know, don't know. Uh, needs it looking bad. You know, you don't get looked for. You know, do what you can do right now at this moment. So we just taking the step for every day. All right, Damien. I was a receiver, and I remember lining up. I used to hear uh, Ace tire curl comeback and I used to get happy I'm like yep that's coming to me is there a play that you hear now you don't have to give us the name of the plays we don't want to give away you know the uh the language that you guys use but is there a concept that you hear and you're like yep time to eat oh yeah definitely you know when they double team you already know how they <laughs> lamb hate double teams so you know we just hit them in the mouth you know they hate that so they're one of my favorites is there anything different defensively, teams? That you, have you seen anything differently in the, in the NFL than you did maybe in the SEC? I know a lot of teams right now are putting six, seven guys up in the box and doing some zone, you know, drops, you know, you know zone blitzes, as well as bringing you know one more than you have. But are they doing anything different that you maybe saw in college? Well, to be honest, you know, I think college. I think that college people in the coaching in college that like they'll try to scheme up and just overdo stuff. Like you don't know what you don't know what people are doing in college because you know it's new, it's kids, you know, young men, and they just try to do a lot, you know, just throw at you. But in the NFL, you know, everything being prepared and planned. So I feel like that they know what they want on the field. They know what kind of defense they want out there versus another team. So it's a little different, but. It's not that much a though. Damien, when I was in the league, I used to hang out with Courtney Taylor and Bobby Ingram the most. Who on this team have you kind of clicked up with? Yeah, I'm real tight with the offensive line. You know, I see them every day. You know, Dwayne, Posey, you know, those guys. You know, I'm just real tight with the old line. And I, you know, my name's just going through the building now. You know, I come in as a record and know too many people, you know, when I came – so now I'm getting, you know, no Bobby, no uh, LJ, you know, the D lineman. You know, I see the old guy go against old people every day. So, you know, it's just, you know, I'm still, you know, trying to learn names. But right now, you know, it's just clicking. Damien, I watched you coming out of college. actually surprised you weren't drafted higher. You were 69th pick, third round. I was surprised you didn't go higher. I mean, you were just so dominant in, in college. But – you know, you, you're 635-pound squats and and benching, you know, 500 pounds. You know, people go, oh, this guy's brute strength. But then I watch you on a screen earlier in the year, and you're leading the path, and you put a DB on his back in the end zone. I mean, you're, you're athletic. Did you play other sports in, in high school and, and dreams in college? Yeah, I played. I did track and field. I did powerlifting. You know, those are the two sports that I did in high school. Well, then you'd be the only NFL player 
that didn't think they were a good basketball player? <laughs> I tried some basketball, but, you know, the coach, the coach is where my football coach didn't want me to, so he only wanted me to focus on football, and I just gave that up, you know. Hey, Damien, I'm a, like I said, I'm a receiver. I'm on the outside. It's nice and safe out there. You're in the trenches, man. You're going up against 300-pound dudes. One, what's it like? Explain it to it. Explain it to the 12s who are listening. And then what's your style like? You a trash talker? You just going about your business? What's your style like? Well, you know, a lot of people don't know what go down in a trench. You know, that's a hard job. <laughs> For the play offensive line, you got to be real crazy and tough, you know. You got to come to work every day. Ready to bang, hit your head, you know, get your finger down. And, you know, you just got to come, you know, with a job, one of those blue chip jobs. You just got to be prepared for it, you know. People don't know where the offense land to go through every day, you know. We never get no praise, you know, we don't get the media time. But, you know, it's sort of frank with those five guys. And, you know, I'm the type of guy who don't do a lot of talking. I just, you know, stay, stick with the game plan, you know, to keep my head down and then try to, you know, execute the play. Well, you better have a good game plan this week because most people think the best player in the NFL is Aaron Donald. Um, what, just your thoughts on him, and you know, what, what are you excited about going up against him? But to be honest, I, I really am. You know, you know, just just going against you know one of the great players in the league, and there's gonna be another matchup. You know, he's a great player. And, you know, I'm great, so is it going to be another matchup? You know, we see great players every week. You know, I'm just ready to get out there, you know, see what the week holds. Damien, you are great, too, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you are – I don't even know if you're a, pr- a pleasant surprise. I-, I think most people, after seeing you on film coming out of college, kind of expected this. Are you having the year you expected? Uh, you know, I have some ups and downs. You know, I'm still learning every day, trying to get better, you know. It's just a process with me, you know, just trying to take in everything and just keep on learning and keep on adding things to my toolbox, you know, just trying to get better every day with me. Hey, Dame, you just got me fired up right now. I'm not going to lie, man. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Shoot. Hey, um, what's it like with the family? I know when I had my opportunity in the league, man, moms was trying to get up here as much as she could. Obviously, she probably can't now. Um, I was talking to her every single day. What's it like, the relationship with your family now that you're, you're living out a dream? You're doing things that probably all the men in your family would probably love to do. Yeah, you know, family, they good, you know. I got my baby brother down here with me, you know, just show him a different part of, you know, of the, the country, you know, other than Mississippi, you know. I talk to my mom on the daily and, you know, just trying to, you know, stay connected because I know that, you know, I grew up in the house with my three brothers and my mom, you know, it's just hard on her, you know, seeing her boys leave her, you know, we getting older. So I told her, you know, we still going to connect, you know, while you always going to be here. But, you know, you know, just keep the old daily talk, you know, going with your mom, your family, your brother, and just, you know, try to handle business at the same time. You you also got a youngster at home too, right? You got a young child, and oh, yeah, talk about that. And just what, yeah, what's that days. like with the pandemic? I mean, how's that how's that working for you? Uh, you know, they're keeping me in the midst right now. You know, crazy virus <laughs> going around. You know, got to be safe out here. You know, just keeping it in there. My boy did turn six months yesterday. How's your child? He good. How old? He's six months. 
Oh, six months. So you you getting any sleep? Yeah, yeah. You know, my significant other, you know, she's taking care of that. And you know why I got the rest up? You know, I got a big dog. Yeah. <laughs> you keep telling her that, too. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Damien, man, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. really enjoyed this conversation with you. You go up, you look 99 in the eye, and you do what you do, baby. Get it done this weekend. <laughs> you know it. All day. All right, we got you covered. All things Seahawks on the end. Hawks live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. A little West Side Connection has to be coming here, Paul. Yeah. 710 ESPN. Hawks live every Thursday right here. What you know? What would you say? California. California. No side of park. What do you think I was saying? I don't know. I didn't understand. Biloxi. (laughs) Biloxi, baby. Hey, well, you know what? Now we get to talk to the professor, John Clayton. How you doing, John? I'm hanging in there. It's funny that you played this song because it's actually one of my favorites with Dr. Dre and that. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's that's the main Rams song that they play during the game. And, I, of course, I was at that one game with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, it was like, what, 51-48 to 48 game or whatever it was uh, against the Rams. And all you kept on hearing, every time the Rams scored, you'd hear, you know, California, which, I, again, I love this song. This is one of my favorites. John, I'm giving you 100 cool points because Moyer was pretending like he knew this song. Oh, this come song. on. And you actually know it, John. Oh, yeah. Dr. Dre. and yeah, he, know, know. he knows who made it, though. Well, look, John's a step above me, but I, <laughs> I, I can sing it. Yeah, you can sing it. All okay. Right. All right, John, what's going on in the secondary? Who's healthy? Who's not healthy? What should we, what should we expect? Uh, it doesn't sound good. I mean, you know, the fact that uh, Shaquille Griffin didn't get out there today, that's not good. I mean, again, Ugo Amadi's going to be out there. You'd have to think... The the way that you saw Quentin Dunbar play, that they've got to try to sit him because that knee, I don't know if it's 50%, 60%, it did not look good at all. So it looks like they could go into this game with Trey Flowers starting, DJ Reed starting, and Ugo Amadi, Amadi being you know the guy that's going to be you know in the nickel. Of course, the one thing that the Rams do is that they do a little bit more two tight end offense, and so uh, you know that could get Ryan Neal on the field a little bit more. And we'll see about Nico Thorpe. I guess there's a chance that he could come back and maybe help out a little bit both on special teams and corner but it's a scary situation because you know they've got you know good two receiver sets and uh you know i don't know how good josh reynolds is but uh you know that's going to make it tough and you have you look at that whole injury list that didn't practice today that's scary john were you surprised that jamal adams played 100 percent of the snaps on defense and ryan neal played what three to five plays uh, not really, because that's just Jamal Adams. I mean, he's going to be out there trying to play every play that he can when he has the opportunity to do it. That is why I think in a lot of ways, you know, they held him out an extra week or two just because they know they they know him and his dedication to the team and what he wants to do and how tough he can be. You know, looking at the Rams, you look at statistics, they're sixth offense, they're second defense. You would say, God, this is the toughest team at least, you know, statistically the Seahawks are going to play. But, God, I'm, I watch the Rams versus uh, Miami. Watch them against the Cowboys. I, I don't know what they are. I, I think part of it is if teams scheme them right, they shut them down offensively. But uh, how good is this team? Hard to say. This is going to be a real proving ground right now because when you really look back, of course, we all know that the Seahawks are going to go through it You know, after these 10 days uh, when they play uh, Rams and Arizona. You know, They're going to have the four easier games against three NFC East teams and the uh, New York Jets. Well, basically... When you look at the schedule for the Rams, who have they played? 
I mean, they haven't. The only team that they've really played that's any good is going to be uh, the Buffalo Bills. And in that game, they fell behind in the first half, twenty-eight to three. This is with that number two ranked defense. They fell behind twenty-eight to three. They came back to take the lead and then end up losing the game. And so, what you're seeing toward the end of the season, which is a benefit for Seattle, is the advantage that the Rams have right now. And I mean, you can look at it and say, okay. Uh, their linebacker play isn't that good. They've had better play from cornerbacks because, again, Jalen Ramsey's one of the cornerbacks. They have shaky situations at the safety position. Obviously, Aaron Donald is the defensive player of the year. He's got nine sacks and 15 tackles for loss. But uh, how good is their defense right now? I don't think it matches the numbers just based on the schedule that they played. John, what are your thoughts on Cooper Cup? I got a real man crush on Cooper Cup, yeah, man. Too. He can run and routes his his run after the catch is awesome. What do, what do you what do you think about Cooper Cup? I like him a lot. I still remember being on the sidelines in the first Los Angeles game in his rookie year, and I'm looking at him. And it's like, woo, look at this guy. And it's like at the very worst, I thought he was a number two receiver, and you can see he can develop into a number one wide receiver. But I saw that in that first game that he had against Seattle, which is down in Los Angeles, and I like him a lot. I'm like you. I, I wouldn't call it a man crush for me. You can call it a man crush, but let's put it this way. If you want to call it a receiver crush, I like him. It's funny. I had a man crush and it was Tom Brady. You guys have Cooper Cup. I win. Um, so, <laughs> no, no, Well, let's put it this way. You didn't win last week at 38-3. to yeah, Got one week. One week. I'm talking about, you know, yeah. what's... Uh, in it. So, speaking of... Um, uh, that's it won't even tie in. I'm nervous about this uh, COVID nineteen thing, uh, John. I go just the, the SEC shut down four games. Pac twelve again. Their rules are ridiculous. I think the NFL has better rules and potentially better process and outcomes. What, what's your thoughts? Uh, does this thing let, end let up me being call, a let me calm game? you down on that because please you know, be, no, knowing I'm the numbers guy is that uh, last week there was 44 players that was on the COVID 19 list. 44 players, 15 of those, which is the highest in the season, you know, had positive tests. 15. Wow. But if you go for the four weeks before that, it was eight, 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 and eight. And so if you're only going to have eight for uh, and even 15 you're not going to be canceling or postponing games and so like so far this week you know i'd say i i, I have to add today so it would probably be 16 players that 16, 17 players that are on the COVID list, but I think it may be a little less than five or six that have tested positive. Because what you have to remember, the way this thing breaks down under the protocol is that, you know, if you're, let's say, uh, Ben Roethlisberger and you're flying next to Vance McDonald and you're sitting two seats away from him and he has a positive test, then he and three other players on the Steelers, they end up having to go on the COVID list for five days because that's considered to be high-risk contact. But it doesn't mean that they tested positive because the only real positive on the Steeler test was Vance McDonald. That's one. And you're not going to move a game back for one. I mean, there's still the chance that you can have a big outbreak like they had in Tennessee, which was brutal because they've had like about 11 or 12 positive tests on that team. But as long as they don't have that type of outbreak, and right now the protocols there with the separation of the players for five days, I think they're going to be okay. They've had 133, if you want to include tonight, 134 games that have been played, and they've not lost one. And I still believe they can get through the rest of the season 
season without having to lose a game. What, what are just your thoughts then on the NFL approving the 16-team playoff format if there's some significant games lost? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an option that they can use, which I don't like, but again, it's something that gives them the ability, you know, with tiebreakers and everything else, to say, okay, let's do it this way, and we'll just kind of open it up a little bit. But I still think that uh, they're going to get through with the 256 games and be able to play them all and not have to lose any. Now, again, it gets trickier after week 13 because there's that's the last week where you have a, uh, a, a, a no bye weeks. And so getting through December, and of course what I worry about is that uh, you have a team in December with those one or two wins that just basically says, we don't care about anything. What we're going to do is that we're going to go party because we don't care about the season or anything else. And I think what that could lead to is some forfeitures. And of course the forfeitures wouldn't mean that uh, you would you know lose a win or a loss for a good team, but I think that's what plays into it. And of course, you know, from the owner's standpoint, if there is a forfeiture, you don't have to pay the winning team or the team that's having to forfeit. John Russell Wilson has been been in the MVP race talk for most of the year. Last week, I feel like he took a hit. There's a guy that's not being talked about a lot, in my opinion, is Aaron Rodgers. 24 touchdowns, two interceptions, same record as Russell Wilson. One, is Russell still in the race? And two, should Aaron Rodgers get more love? Yeah, I think what it comes down to is that uh, the gap narrowed a little bit between Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. But still, the one thing that stands out is that Pat, uh, you got Russell Wilson on the pace right now with uh, to throw for 56 touchdown passes. Well, that hasn't happened. And, you know, 56 touchdown passes on a team that can win 11 or 12 games, that's going to win the edge. Now, Mahomes, he can probably win 12 or 13 games. He's on pace for about 49, and I think Aaron Rodgers is on pace for 48. So I think what the the record and the touchdown passes are really going to determine this. So the edge became closer, but still, I think Russell has the edge. John, this is your segment. What do you want to talk about? Well, you know, it's people didn't ask about this week is why haven't the Seahawks looked at, Vin, uh, at you know getting Vic Beasley? And here's the answer. The answer is what they looked at is they looked at a player who's talented. He's been to the Pro Bowl. He's had sacks and all those different things, and he is a good pass rusher. But they kind of wonder. Does he really want to play? Because what they see is a lack of motivation in a lot of things that he did. And, of course, that's what Tenant C identified with. I mean, he showed up 10 days late for the start of training camp talking about a mysterious injury that they really haven't even confirmed what it is. And then you see him go out there. I mean, he didn't win the starting job. He got $9.5 million, still has that in his pocket, by the way, and didn't get a single sack and got very few tackles. So I think the reason that they didn't sign Vic Beasley is because they wondered how motivated motivated is him to play football and i think that's the question john well i appreciate you we appreciate you taking time out of your day and hollering at us and as always you keep it funky baby okay you're gonna get dr dre for me again hey if you want dre let's do it dre all day i'll see you john okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks john all right coming up next we turn up the heat a little bit two men enter but there can only be one winner paul moyer and i will talk that talk don't go anywhere it is hawks live